Hallelujah. And what's amazing is, in the church ages, he turns around to a group of overcomers in the church ages and says, you will walk with me in white, for you are worthy. Wow. We can all say he's worthy, right? How in the world could we ever say we are? It has to be his work. That's right. All we had was filthy rags right. as righteousness. But he took that old garment of ours and gave us his. Amen. Praise be to God. And if you're standing here tonight in the blood of the Lord Jesus and you have his life, the token life in you, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You're just as sinless as God himself. That's tough, isn't it? But we have to believe that. For he who knew no sin became our sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. For he laid on him the iniquity of us all. And I hear the prophet saying, Demonology Part 2, Paragraph 199, whenever I think of how that Jesus, because of his sins, and God sent him to hell. Hmm. Because of his sins. And he never done anything. But he took our sins upon himself. Now they were not just an action. It was not an imagination. He took them to such a degree they were his. Don't you understand why he had to do that? So that one day you by faith could take his righteousness and you would take it as if though it were your own. Praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I love the way the prophet says it in future home. He said that he thought of himself as being a human. And that transmitted him down to become Jesus. That transmitted him down. Christ the Mystery says it this way. He loved fatherhood. And in order to be a father, he had to become a son. You see, we said all the time, <clears throat> Jesus could not be his own father. But the prophet never did say God couldn't be his own son. Because that's what he was. Jesus couldn't be his own father. But God did become his own son. To make us sons and daughters of God. Accepted in his sight. Aren't you happy to be here tonight? Such a privilege for us. Let's read together Genesis 22:15. I believe the Lord wants us as his children to possess our gates. Whatever lays before you tonight of your inheritance, healing, deliverance, restoration in your home, financial move, whatever it is, that God has your name on your inheritance. 
You'll have to fight for every inch of the ground that you get in Christ. But it's worth it, is it not? But we cannot just fight within our own spirit. We must fight under the auspices of the Spirit of God. So we must get into the spirit of the Word before the Word will ever be fully released to us. That's where that many carnal people, intellectual faith, they study the Word. Heard the prophet say it yesterday in Christ the Mystery that <clears throat> theologians study the Word, but he said that's only knowing Him after the flesh. Well, I thought, wow. You see, Peter, James, John, many of those men that were around him, they would have known a little bit about Jesus after the flesh. But Jesus told Peter, I didn't reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven, even my own life, he said, Peter, didn't reveal this to you. So when people study the Word and they know God only by the Word, it's like knowing Jesus after the flesh. So Jesus had a certain laugh or a certain look on his face or he'd sneeze a certain way or whatever and say, I know him. Well, I've been around him ever since he was a boy. You don't know him that way. You know him by revelation. Amen. <clears throat> now watch, the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time. Notice this angel of the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is Christ, of course. And said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies." How many believe you're a seed of Abraham tonight? And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. How many would like to be remembered tonight in prayer? We had to go down to Erica's house before we come to church tonight and pray for her. She's really in some pain tonight. How many believe the Lord can move forward right now as we join together? Hold your need, your request, and all these others before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight, Lord. First of all, with thanksgiving, gratitude, appreciation in our hearts. We approach your great, wonderful throne, entering into your august courts. Dear God, we know that there is a divine protocol, a way of approach. The prophet told us that we first start praising and loving, and then we make our petition known. We want you to know we love you so much. You're everything to us. Lord God, we ask you tonight that you would move for your people those that are visible, Lord, several different ones that are sick and viruses and all kinds of things that are going around. As Brother Andrew referred to it here Sunday, the germ warfare. But Lord God, your power is greater than all the germs out of hell. So we're asking that you bring healing and deliverance to your children. Father, as your body, 
We join together right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Lord, you see this pain in Erica's back. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command it to leave her. Father, we believe your word. Lord Jesus, you know what this is? As your children, we join our faith together. If one of us can chase a thousand, two of us ten thousand. I hate to let hell know it, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. They're way outnumbered in this building tonight. Plus the saints of God that are streaming, Satan, you have already lost. Father, we bring our petitions before you. Lord God, we ask you that you'd speak to us tonight from your word. May we be benefited by our gathering together tonight. For it's in the name of the Lord Jesus that we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. So love you tonight. So appreciate each of you. Let us go now to the book of Nehemiah and watch as some seeds of Abraham are in this long process of possessing the gates. It's twofold in that they have natural gates that they're wanting to rebuild around Jerusalem. But it's also spiritual because they have a Tobiah, they have a Sanballat, they have a false prophet, they have a false prophetess, they have a governor, they have Shilatil, they have all kinds of different enemies that are approaching them from every way they look. And in order for them to get their gates restored, they're going to have to possess the gates of these enemies. Now, as we looked at it already, that when God gets ready to set the cycle in motion for Jerusalem to be rebuilt, it is the fulfillment of the prophecy of Jeremiah that after 70 years that it would start. And we know it begins with an edict from Cyrus, which God called him his shepherd, his name pronounced approximately 150 years before he was born. And it comes in three pulls. So part of the elders come out, and they come out under Zerubbabel. Others come out under Ezra. And then 14 years later, then Nehemiah comes out, much younger. Each one of them have a different administration that God is going to use them in the restoration of the temple, the foundation, the reading of the law, the restoration of the walls, the reconstruction of the gates, The whole thing is going to be restored. But yet each one has a divided portion by which God would allocate it to them. Now, they did not believe, and I said it again last Wednesday, but I'll repeat it tonight. They believed in a one-man message, but they did not believe in a one-man ministry. I believe the same thing. Moses believed the same thing. Brother Branham believed the same thing. That's why Brother Branham wanted to ordain preachers that would be able to go. I've encouraged you for several weeks now to listen to Taking Sides of Jesus, and if you haven't, you need to listen to it. And don't listen to it once, but listen to it about 12 or 15 times, and then maybe you'll start hearing it. 
Because there is a difference in listening to it and hearing what he's saying. Now, the prophet of God, to be a scriptural prophet, would have to be built on the doctrine of the apostles. So it could not be that Brother Branham would come and say that he had turned our hearts back to the original faith of the apostolic fathers and then come at the end of his ministry and revert and tear down everything the apostles stood for and say there's no longer a need for preachers, there's no longer a need for pastors, teachers, evangelists, and so on, but after I leave, all you need to do is play tapes. Well, Brother Branham could not have done that because that would have made Brother Branham a false prophet. And let me just say it this way, whoever teaches it that way is a false prophet because their teaching is against the teaching of Christ himself, which makes their teaching antichrist. I don't care who they are. I don't care what their name is. I don't care how many years they've been preaching. Don't make a flip of a dime to me. If they're not saying what the Bible says, they're antichrist. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Well, I'm going to. Now, whenever God got ready to restore this, remember that Israel had seven church ages, and it was during the beginning of the time of Solomon that it was the beginning of their Ephesian age. Then by the time, of course, Solomon come down, it was the closing of the Ephesian age before it started moving over into the second church age in type, and Solomon got away from his first love because the same man that built the house of God began to build other houses of worship which is exactly what happened at the end of the first church age. So by the time we come down through there, we see seven ages, which ended up, the Lord Jesus was cast out at the end of the last church age in the Old Testament, which would have been the Laodiceans. So Nicodemus and many of those men, Peter, James, John, they were coming out of the Hebrew Laodicean age. You see, this is where we are. The Lord Jesus was cast out where? Out of the Hebrew Laodicean age. Where is the Omega bride finding her crowning point at the end of the Gentile Laodicean age? It was the Alpha there in Laodicea. It is the Omega now. So here we are. The Lord Jesus come out at the end of the seventh church age of the Old Testament. The bride is called out at the end of the seventh church age of the New Testament. Amen. Now watch what God is doing then during this time of Nehemiah. Now it was a very great time of darkness, sort of like it was in the Reformation. So God sends a great man by the name of Ezra. Now the time frame is around 558 BC, something like that. And whenever Ezra comes out, God gives this man a portion of the work of reconciliation or restoration. But he doesn't go to build a wall. He doesn't go to build the gates. He does not lay the timbers for the gates to be hung back on. But he goes instead and he starts on renewing the foundation of the house of God. And then he starts building up the house of God. 
But yet, whenever it come time for the walls to be rebuilt, Ezra was still there, but Ezra was not the main man that God had anointed for that particular work. Isn't it amazing that God will pick one man for this and another man for that and another man for that? Why? Because God diversifies himself through a body. That's why it makes me feel so sorry for those who pull away from church and pull away from the local body and feel like that they absolutely need nobody. Oh yes, you do. Every one of us need each other and it's nothing but a trick of the devil to pull people away from the family of God, from the house of God, from the body of God because none of us are an island. But each of us need each other. How much more do we need to come to the house of God? That much more as we see the day approaching. And as the prophet tells us in the seal book, uh, when he quotes that scripture, he said, as the manner of unbelievers is. So it was not the manner of believers to stay out of church, but it was the manner of unbelievers. So God diversified himself, especially in the New Testament, in order to have a body. And through the administration of the body, just like my heart does one thing, my liver does something else, my pancreas does something else, my liver does something else, my lungs do something else, my brain, yet each of them are functioning for what? One purpose, and that is that my body might be uniform and have a uniformity about it that I can express myself as a human being. Take my heart out, I'll die. Take certain parts of my body out, I'll be, I'll be crippled maybe, but I will be able to live. But there are things that are so vital in the body. Now take a song leader out of church, well, I might have to get up and sing. You'll thank God for a good song leader if I do. You take the piano player out. Well, we might have somebody that can't play as good, but we'll be able to make it through the service. The bass guitar player can't come. But if we take the Spirit of God out, we might as well shut the place down. So there are parts in the body that are absolutely vital, and we always need the Spirit of God. And we always need the love of God and the administration of the Spirit that's ministering throughout the needs of the body. Now, we break into the time of Nehemiah whenever he has been found favor in the eyes of the king, total different king, than under the administration, of course, of Zerubbabel in the early days when they sent them out. And he was uh, the man that bore the king's wine, and he has a sad look on his face. And of course, the king tells him, inquires of him, so gives him instruction to come. So another group of people, another pull, another administration start back to the city. By the time they arrive, now it takes approximately two months for them to try and travel over the desert. And by the time they get there, and there's approximately about 50,000 people, 50,000 Jews, that have now moved in. With the increase of population of the believers, then we have the Samaritans, which was placed there years and years ago. They were a mixture, actually, of Jew and Gentile. And they went up on the Mount Gerizim. Remember St. John 4, when the Lord Jesus come to the woman to well? And she said, well, our fathers say, here's where we ought to worship. Well, that's exactly right. That's what the Samaritans did. Well, they were part Jew and they were part Gentile. And they come and they told them, said, hey, we want to help you build. We want to help you build. We want to be a part of what you all are doing. Well, they tried the same thing on Ezra. And as they tried the different approaches, it's, a, it's of course the attack of Satan, then they must, they must be so sensitive to the Spirit of God because the answer to the devil's question on this aspect may not work 
here. Because if you answer the devil's question on this, guess what? He'll ask you another question tomorrow. He ain't going to ask you the same question. So it takes the Spirit of God to help us. As the prophet said, we have the answers to the devil's question. I really don't know what the question was. And to be honest with you, I'm not so much concerned about the question because if I've got the answer and I've got the Holy Ghost, then the Holy Ghost will pick the right answer when the devil asks me the question. Right? So there's times we don't understand what's going on. There's times we don't understand what God's doing. And we don't understand why God's allowing this and that and the other. And the devil will approach you from time to time and ask you a different question. But don't fret and don't worry. You've got the answer to the devil's question. Now, notice with me in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up. Now, remember, we looked at it last Wednesday night, that they were going along the circumference of the city, and all of the wall was not tore down as it was in the days of Titus. But it was, there was breaches that was in the wall. So this is like a child of God, and it's also a parallel of the type of the church ages. So whenever they come in and the enemy uh, took away the gold and the silver and took away the people, they did not take every stone down, but they would take maybe half of it down or a third down. So there's, those were identified as breaches. You see, when God sent the prophet of Malachi 4, there were some things that he had to go back to the very foundation and relay from the foundation up. And there were other elements that had been handed down. You know, it so stumbles people because they look in the message and they find Brother Branham saying things that Luther said. They find Brother Branham saying things that Clarence Larkin said word for word. And they just make the biggest deal out of that. And they just, oh my goodness, they let on like Brother Branham stole something or robbed somebody of something. Well, I thought the seventh angel was sent together all the loot sins. Luther had some truth. Wesley had some truth. Pentecost had some truth. The church of God had some truth. The oneness had some truth. So sure, you're going to find Brother Branham saying things that other theologians before him said. Why? He's gathering the loose ends that Clarence Larkin had. He's gathering the loose ends that Wesley had and this one had and that one had. Come on. Why? Because in some of those truths, he did not have to go back to the foundation and relay it but it was just a breach that was made in the wall so he had this much wall all he had to do is lay a few more quotes on the top of what they already had and that brought it to the consummation of the full understanding so Luther my look at all those great theologians nearly every one of them was Trinitarian my goodness Adam Clark had tremendous insight in the 1600s about predestination and election some of the other men down to the ages had such insight on the sovereignty of God and nearly every one of them baptized in titles what was that? Oh Brother Branham had to go plumb back to the foundation to lay the correct formula of water baptism but yet on some of the things of election 
there was only breaches in the wall. You understand? So some of them understood justification. They had a portion of justification. They had a portion of sanctification. What was it? They did not have it quite like the opening of the seals. Justification to Luther meant that you accept Christ as your Savior. But to us, after the opening of the seals, it not only means receiving Christ as your Savior, but justification under the opening of the seals meant you never done it in the first place. So what did it do? It took the breach of where Luther laid on the foundation, but he only could bring it so high, but God sent his prophet, tore open the seals, and he went ahead and laid the rest of it all the way up. Hallelujah. To rapture level. You see, that's what God wants the whole wall to be, is rapture level. I hope you understand that we, as the children of God in our lives, in our work, in our church, that's what we're doing. We also are building a wall. What was the wall? The wall was their protection. The wall was their security. The wall was their standard. The wall defined the boundary. We can't go here. We don't do that. I know people hate those things. They hate do's and don'ts. Well, not if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you don't. Because you know that wall is set there for your protection. Oh, it feels like a prison to me. Well, it may feel that way until you look out and you see a whole army of Ashdodites, and then you'll thank God you're in behind the wall. It'll totally change your view. A revelated son or daughter of God can look inside of there and let the world say, oh, you're in a prison, you're in a prison. You can shout back from the top of the wall and say, no, I ain't. I come in here because I was ordained of God. Don't you see, I'm not held here by chains of iron. I'm held by chains of love. I don't wear a skirt because I'm afraid I'll go to hell. Us brothers don't let our hair go down our back because we're scared we'll go to hell. We do it because we love the Lord Jesus. We're not held by chains of fear. We're not held by licks of fire coming up and burning the bottoms of our feet. We are held by the love of God. We pray because we love God. We go to church because we love God. We read our Bible because we love God. We obey the word because we love God. Oh my. So here they hear that the walls of Jerusalem were made up. Now remember a brother and his sons and, and a priest and them and all around the building. Now remember the circumference of Jerusalem is several miles long. So they've got this whole perimeter around Jerusalem and the wall is an absolute shambles. Now, whenever they heard it, they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to hinder it. Now, brother, sister, this is exactly where you and I are right now. You know, to them, it was a natural city. It was a natural land. Well, to us, it's not a natural land and it's not a natural city. Jesus said, you are a city that's set on a hill. So put yourself now in the state of Jerusalem. Now for those of you that have been there or seen pictures of it and it's setting upon several hills that are all uh, culminated together in one spot and that's you as a child of God. When you were out there in the world drinking, lying, running around, you wasn't no city. You was just absolutely a hog like all the rest of the hogs. You were slopping around the things of the world and you left it. Go ahead and say amen. You left to get drunk. You left to flirt with somebody else's wife. You left to do those things but one day that predestinated seed inside 
you had a revival and it got all shook up and you got born again. And then it made you hate those things that you loved before. And then the Lord God elevated you and put you upon a, oh my, seven great hills of his mercy and placed you there and put a perimeter around you. And when you done that, you become the very enemy of hell. When you moved up on that great place, then every gun in hell was trained after you. But I'm kind of glad tonight. I'm so glad the devil don't call me buddy. I'm so glad the devil don't call me pal. Oh, I, I can't imagine the names them demons use for me down in hell and use for you, but that's okay. I'm glad the devil don't want to come around my house and put his arm around me and say, how you doing, pal? How you doing, old buddy? I ain't nobody to hell. I ain't nobody to a bunch of these unbelievers that's left this message neither. I ain't nobody, pal, to a bunch of them that has walked away from the word of God, but I am a buddy to the Lord Jesus. I am a buddy to men of God around the world that preach and stand for the truth. What about you? So all hell, all hell gets so upset. Notice in verse 13, therefore said I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places, I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. Can you imagine what a difficult decision this must have been for this leader? He's choosing families. I hope you're hearing me. He didn't just take the man of the house and say, well, the man, that's all that matters. No, we need the wives of the house. We need the children of the house. God ain't just calling for the men to live a sanctified life. He's calling for our sisters to do likewise. And he's calling for the children to do the same. But I want you to notice that when Nehemiah calls him, he goes and he looks in the low spots and then he looks in the high spots. And then he said, I call them by families and I told them to bring their swords and their spears. Can you imagine a leader calling his people together, knowing that when he brings them certain truths, he is painting a target on their backs. Don't you think Nehemiah felt like saying, oh, you know what? No, y'all just stay home. Y'all just stay at the house. No, 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 no. Let, let, Let me and the soldier, let us do that. But what is it? It's a restoration not only of the wall, it's a restoration of their faith. Don't you see what God is doing? God is wanting to restore their faith on an individual level. The way our brother Nehemiah, oh, brother Ezra, oh my goodness, that brother Zerubbabel, I'll tell you what, that man is a man now. That's a man's man, boy. But I don't do anything, of course. I just stay home and I stay out of trouble and I leave the devils alone. God don't want you to do that. God wants you to live your life full of the Holy Ghost. If you're an electrician or a painter or a farmer or whatever you are, you sisters, God wants you to be the exact same way God's calling us together as families. I don't know about you. I ain't giving our young people up to hell. I want to say what Moses said so many years ago. We're not leaving our young behind. We're not leaving our children behind. We're not leaving our cattle behind. As a matter of fact, there will not be one hoof. There won't be one hoof. We're not leaving a stray dog behind. We're taking every one of us that belongs to us with us. 
Brother West, can you imagine the pressure on this man of placing mothers, fathers, children in these dangerous spots? This ain't a resort down in Ocala. This is not a resort down in the Mexico beach with the beautiful blue seas and the white sand. They're not on the panhandle of Florida and everybody's got a nice dream resort. But they're sitting in the low places of the wall and the high places. The low places was those that was nearly knocked down to the foundation. And you look and what do you see? You don't just see a David. You do not just see a Saul. You see a wife with her babies. But you also look real close and you see that sister you think, dear God, that woman's got a sword. That woman's got a spear. This is the folks going in the rapture. They ain't just the preachers. Oh, the preachers is all dressed up and man, they got all their armor and they're so shining and so polished and everybody else just sitting around barely hanging on. Nope. There's going to be sisters go out of here in fine colors. There's going to be young men, young women, teenagers, old people. There's going to be people to be of every ethnicity, every color, every race of people. And they're going to leave this world with hell begging them to leave. Hallelujah. When Moses and the children of Israel got ready to go out, they were saying, would you please leave us alone? That's the kind of church I want on this hillside. A church that's so full of the Holy Ghost that Satan knocks us down and we get back up again. He knocks us down and we get back up again. Hallelujah. And we pick up our five smooth stones out of the brook and we say, come on, devil, you want some more? Oh, no, devil, not today, you're not. (sighs) You imagine the fathers now, this is their role to protect their family. Can you imagine the men requiring the trust in this leader, Nehemiah? Nehemiah sent that word, bring your wives, bring your kids, everybody come. So what is it, picnic? It's a war. So that, well, I'm not sure exactly what brother Nehemiah's got in his mind, but he wants us all to go up. So when he goes up, he goes to preaching this sermon about your place in Christ Jesus. I hear the prophet say, oh, it means so much nowadays, church, to see yourself seated in heavenly places. Now to hear him saying, cross the mystery, you know what heavenly places is, don't you? Your position in Christ. And then Nehemiah said, brother, you and your wife and your kids, you go over there. But brother, there ain't even no wall there. I know you're going to protect it against Sanballat. You're going to protect me? Me and my wife? We had a false coming to church. Well, I found out there's something. It took me a long time, I guess, to do it. But I found out that when you got one common enemy that's bigger than your problems, it can make us all unite. Oh, we can fuss and fight and squabble over this and that and other boy. Remember Brother Branham using the analogy, he said, we're all Branhams. And he said, there's a whole bunch of us. And he said, we'd fight in the backyard. But if anybody picked on one of us in the front yard, they had every one of us to deal with. Well, we've got our little differences with this and that and the other. But I'll tell you one.
one thing, when they go to thinking on my brothers, they got me to deal with as well. Oh, I'm not looking for trouble, but I have both offense and defense. <laughs> Hallelujah. You imagine Nehemiah, Lord, is this right? Should I do this? What if some of them get killed? Nehemiah, do it. Yes, Lord. Now what if the people would have come up and said, Brother Nehemiah, I want a scripture. I want a scripture from the law of Moses that says you have a right to do this. All I can say is a good thing some of the message folks wasn't them. Wasn't there. They'd been hurting that day, wouldn't they? He knew this is the only way to survive. If we don't do it this way, we will never get this built. I'm telling you, friends, the quicker you see it, that it ain't just you coming to church and I pack a sermon in my briefcase. Brother Andrew packs one. Brother Dyer, Brother Jorban, Brother West, these other ministers here. That we're the one. It's all about us. It ain't about us. Amen. It's about you and us together. Amen. We'll never survive. I will never survive by myself. Pull me off by myself. Pull me away from the body. Pull me away from ministry, friends. I'll never survive. But put me with my brothers. I'm totally undefeatable. (laughs) Just in case I'm sick and I can't pray, I can still text. Amen. And I happen to have the phone numbers of great generals. Hallelujah to God. Aren't you glad that you've got access to prayer? Amen. Amen. Notice this, verse 14. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and unto the rulers and to the rest of the people, be ye not afraid of them. This is what I want you to remember. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. Now it ain't enough to just remember them words. You gotta remember them in the right divine sequence. You see, he's not telling them to remember that God is terrible against them. (laughs) He's great for them. Remember the same prophet that said they'd come back also wrote and said, I the Lord say, I know the thoughts that I think towards you and they are of good and not of evil. Glory to God. Fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. Why, friends, did he tell them don't fear? Because fear paralyzes you. And fear is contagious. People are scared to death of COVID. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be aware of it. I'm not saying none of that stuff. But I'll tell you one thing, one of the greatest, most contagious things there are is fear. And fear 
here is so contagious. Remember how many times God separated the people. Remember Deuteronomy 10. Remember whenever it come to Gideon, whenever God said, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him go back to the house. Why? Fear is contagious. Oh my. You know as well as I do, you get around somebody that's fearful and if you're not careful, you'll start feeling the same way they are. Why? Because they are projecting that to you. But if fear is is contagious, what about happiness? What about joy? What about peace? Get around somebody that's got positive faith and a smile on their face. Why? Because happiness. I wish some of us would get so full of happiness that we'd just run around and pass it to everybody. Sneeze on them, cough on them, smile on them. Oh, my. I wish somebody here would get so contagious with the love of God that you'd infect a whole church with it. Listen to me. Fear and faith cannot live in the same heart. I hope you understand when fear can birth itself in you and restores the image of God in your soul, your flesh can still be afraid, but it will never grip that soul again the way it did before. <laughs> your flesh can still be fearful. Come on. Your flesh, that don't mean you ain't got the Holy Ghost, but fear and faith cannot dominate the same heart. Mm. Frightened people discourage others and bring defeat. Notice the prophet said, after through the services of this week, trying to show people that there's no need of being scared. The worst thing the devil can put upon you. Friends, think of that terminology, the worst thing? Worse than lust? Worse than lying? Worse than a pornography spirit? The worst thing the devil can put upon you is fear. You say worse than pornography? Yes. Because if you're afraid God won't deliver you, then it ain't the pornography that's holding you away. It's your fear that he won't. Well, I'd love to try. I'd love to serve the Lord, but I've failed him so many times. I'm afraid uh-huh, that I won't be able to do it again. Well, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. There you go. My, listen, this the worst thing the devil can put upon you is fear. Even if you had a cancer and didn't fear and believed God would heal you you wouldn't be in too bad a shape. God will take care of that if you were sick, whatever it is, if you didn't fear. So fear is one of the worst things Satan can place upon the person. Now this week I've tried to prove by the scripture that the man that's born again of the kingdom of God, read it with me, has... 3,875,394,000. Nothing. Now how many of us will be honest and say, Lord, I need help. The man that is born, Lord children, again of the kingdom of God has nothing to fear. 
you're absolutely safely secure in Jesus Christ. So Nehemiah preaches them a sermon on works as faith expressed. And tells them not to be afraid. Notice again the prophet said, when faith takes a hold, fear drops away. Faith's got big muscles and a hairy chest. When it speaks, everything else keeps quiet. Cancer has to shut up and get out of the way. Glory to God, hallelujah. Tumor, TB, the rest of them. Look at all the diseases, all the pandemics, COVID-19, Delta, Omicron, I don't care what else comes down the road, it falls under all the rest of them. Oh, glory to God, whatever faith looks at it and says, if it's time for me to go home, I'm going home. Whether it's my Delta, whether if I fall down the steps, or whether I go by falling asleep in the night, the devil can't take me till God is done with me. I'll come on the earth to serve God's purpose and I ain't leaving till God gets done. Diseases ain't killing me. Sickness ain't killing me. The devil can't take my life. The rest of them moves out when faith raise up and say sit down. That's what some of you need to do to this COVID fear. I've heard it from one doctor after another after another during this whole pandemic thing. Don't fear. Don't fear. But we've got other voices from the White House. And we've got other voices from the media. And every day, every day, oh, it's coming. It's coming. Oh, it's going to be worse this time. Oh, my. And you, you know more about Fox News and you know more about MNC and CNN and all the rest of that stuff than you do the Word of God and you're scared to death. My goodness. If anybody sneezes here, if I sneeze from the pulpit tonight, half y'all probably run out of your screaming wild a Timbuktu Indian. Why? Because you got such fear a hold of your life. But you need to let your faith raise up and say, Sit down, COVID 19. Sit down, tumor. Sit down, cancer. Sit down, high blood pressure. And shut up. Shut your mouth. Look, he says, you go to the doctor, and he said, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have cancer. Well, quickly, that's all. He's, he's, he's dead. That's just all there is to it. Or she, they're gone. The doctor said, well, that's paralysis. That's leukemia. Well, right quick, they're as good as dead right then. See, fear sets in. But it shouldn't. Who is this that made the promise? What are we living for? Why are we the church of the living God? Why are we filled with the Holy Ghost? 
This is why one of the reasons you're filled with the Holy Ghost. To remember in the time of trouble, he is still here. Not that he was. Not that he was five years ago, all back in 1965. But when Brother Branham left, God left with him. Your God may have left, but mine didn't. My God is still here. He's right here in this building tonight. Hallelujah. That's why he gave me the Holy Ghost. That when all hell breaks loose against me, it's to come and say, wait a minute, Donnie. He's still here. He's here in the bad doctor's report. He's here when you don't feel like going to church. He's here when everything is going against you. He's still here. Why are we filled with the Holy Ghost to remember in the time of trouble? He is still here. He stabilizes things. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is with us just the same. He might be resting a few moments between the meetings, but he's still here just the same. Yeah. And when trouble sets in and faith of him being with us, then fear sets in. And when fear sets in, we really got trouble. Watch again, Nehemiah verse 14, chapter 4. And it came to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us. And God had brought their counsel to naught that we returned all of us to the wall, every one unto, look at them two last words, his work. You see, the history of the church, when we are privileged to walk down those streets, and the Lord God begins to call out our names, our original ones. And we walk up before him and we go to not being judged, but the time for rewards. No doubt all of us will be so surprised. Remember Brother Branham in the dream when he saw and he said he was standing back there in the crowd and the, the voice would announce people's names and he'd say, I know that brother. And I know that brother. And he would walk up to there and the Lord would give him his reward. And then he'd call Brother Neville. Brother Neville walked there and said, oh, there's Brother Neville. So you see, the bride never goes through the white throne judgment. How can God ever judge me twice? If I've accepted Christ as my atonement, God judged him. Don't you understand the Paschal Lamb of the Old Testament? Why the people of Israel could not die and be judged? Because the judgment was placed upon their lamb. So when they would pull back their neck and slice their throat, and the blood would come gushing out of its body, that lamb bore the judgment of that sinner. And the lamb's blood on the doorpost of the house, which the family name was on the doorpost, so they took and splattered the blood over the name 
That's why the death angel could not come in the house. The judgment sign was on the door. Oh, glory to God. I'm so glad that a denomination, Church of Christ, its neck wasn't split. I'm glad the Baptist wasn't split for me. I'm glad the Church of God wasn't split for me or some fine preacher wasn't cut for me. But it was the neck of the Lamb of God. And God struck that Lamb with my judgment. And when God sees the display of the Holy Ghost and that blood is over the family name the Lord Jesus God cannot judge the family of God again because the blood is on the doorpost hallelujah she's free from judgment some of you who think you've done nothing for God some of your sisters You really don't have any souls that you've led to the Lord. Maybe you don't have very many, if any, that you can say, well, I led this one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one to the new birth. I led this one, that one, that one to the message. And you think, God, what have I ever done? What have I ever done? Oh, but I love the prophet catching those thoughts of the people and say, Brother Branham, what have I ever done as an old farmer? All I've ever done was hard these old clods. And a housewife, what have I ever done? I've raised my kids and I've fed them. And I said, and that's exactly what God called you to do. Notice. It came to pass from that time, force, that half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half held both spears, shields, the bows, the habergons, and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. So here you got guys that are mixing mud, guys that are stone sculptors, they're going through the rubble because if it's burned, you know what, what fire does to stone, and for many of them they could not be used, so they're just trashing them. But some of them were still usable. Some were stone cutters. Some were the hewers. They still hew the Jerusalem stone today. Many cities or many of the the buildings are required to use the Jerusalem stone. So after they cut it out, then they've got guys that set up with it between their knees and they'll take and cut the face on it. So some were cutting the face. Some were mixing the mortar. And others are walking around in their sword in their hand. Uh huh. Not today, devil. Not on my watch. Now, it might have looked like they were not doing hardly anything at all. They might have stood there day in and day out. And they just walked back and forth, up and down the wall. And it looked like that there was those poor stone cutters and they were a cutting and doing all this and that and the other. And they was a sweating and the dust a boiling up. You can imagine cutting stone. I've cut stone myself, so it's a pretty, pretty good job. And the dust flying up everywhere. And my, they looked absolutely awful. And here was these guys with the swords and the habergons was actually the mail. And they would put the mail on. They'd walk up and down through the What'd you do today? I just walked up and down the wall. Well, you sure didn't do much. Oh, but I did. You see, my presence being there helped them to have faith and confidence to keep laying stone. 
So you see, sometimes you say, well, I ain't never done nothing. Well, Brother Donnie, I don't even know how long it's been since I shook his hand. But you being here encourages me. You being here encourages Brother Louie. Come on now, saints. Remember when Brother Branham walked out there the service that one Sunday morning and he looked at all them license plates from Georgia and from Maine and from here and there and there. And then he come back in and he preached the sermon, what is the attraction on the mail? And he said he walked out through there and he said, that's where he got that thought. What is the attraction? And he said, whenever the devil tells me that y'all don't love me and I see all y'all driving from all that distance, it encourages me. Can you imagine a prophet of God looking at people from Georgia and from here and there and it encouraged him? Why? Because he was in need of their help just how they were in need of his. I wish somebody would hear me tonight. Oh my. So here they're holding swords and spears, some offense, some defense. Perhaps they were divided. Now remember he said half of his servants, which was a brigade that was given him because he's fixing to be governor of the city of Jerusalem. So they were scattered abroad. They didn't have enough to stand side by side by side by side. But there'd be a pastor over there and then there'd be an evangelist over there and then maybe a teacher over there. And then this kind of spaced out and there'd be people in between them, in amongst them. Oh my. And they were divided all around the whole circumference of the wall. Some of them were up real high, some of them down real low. And this old boy had to look down in there and he'd have to look up here. Sometimes he'd walk up real high and then he'd have to jump down down here. He's walking around and said, what are you doing? I'm just here to help you, buddy. Don't fear. I know how to use this sword. You read a David, ain't you? He's my brother. You read of Samson? Yeah, I picked up them gates and packed them up that great place. He's my brother. Well, you're, now you may not know my name. My name may not be famous like his was, but I'm here to watch you as you build. So keep right on building. Build worry-free. Build stress-free. Don't get stressed out because of Sanballat. Don't get stressed out because of this and that and the other. I am assigned to your lot to protect you. You're in good hands with me. They didn't have all state, but they had some God-called men that would have given their lives for the saints of God. I'll tell you, God's got some God-called men on the field today that would give their lives for the bride of Christ. Oh, my. Notice in verse 17, they which build it on the wall and they which bear burdens with those that laid it, every one with his hands wrought in the work. So some build on the wall, some pack the stones, and some, um, every one of them had a work. It was diverse, and yet every one of them was necessary. With him, one of his hands wrought in the work, wow. So, you're laying stone and you got a sword in your hand. You're facing a stone and you got a sword in your hand. Now when I used to work for that Pentecostal preacher, Brother West, out of West Virginia, I played a fretless bass called a Rickenbacker was the name of it. Fretless, meaning it had no frets on it. So I learned how to play that bass with one hand. So I go boom, 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 boom with this hand right here. Because I also had to control the PA system. And I also sung harmony with him. 
So I was Father, Son, and Holy Ghost in one body. So I learned how to boom, 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 boom. He set me free, yes, he set me free. He broke the bonds of prison for me. So I can cast out devils, I can pray. Come on, saints. I can build on the wall, and need be, I'll build, I'll make mud, I'll encourage you, I'll send an email to that one, I'll send a text to this one. Why? Because God's children are some of the best in the world for multitasking. Praise be to God, and the devil looks at us and says, are them people nuts? Why, what I put them people through, they ought to have been absolutely out of their minds years ago. You're right, devil, we are. We're out of our minds, and we've got the mind of Jesus Christ. That's how we face all hell in the day we're in because we're called to do it. You better not, Sambalat. I'll send your balat. You like that nose of yours? You want in the same place for lunch? You better get out of here. Oh, you're just a one-handed mason. I'm better one-headed mason than you are a two-handed devil. Hallelujah to God. Oh, children, if you can recognize who you are in Christ Jesus. What an army. What an army. This is the first battalion of the sword and trial brigade. How foolish, how foolish things that God uses. To me, the wonderful thing about it is them guys outside were scared to death of this sword and trial brigade. (laughs) What were they? Half worker, half warrior. Just like that, they could fight. Frying eggs, frying bacon for their baby's breakfast. And all of a sudden, hell makes some of that grease pop out on their hand. But they say, in the name of Jesus, don't let it burn me, Lord God. Half warrior, half mason. Oh, glory to God. For the builders, everyone had his sword girded by his side and so built it. And he that sounded the trumpet was by me. Now there's only one guy with the trumpet. Notice singular. It's all kinds of plurality around the wall. Masons, plural. Laborers, plural. Everything plural. But one Nehemiah and one trumpet man. Now what's the trumpet for? War. So they didn't have the rock and roll blaring and the country blaring so loud. So they couldn't hear the trumpet. As a matter of fact, they didn't listen to it. They needed to build and they needed to work and they're listening to their wife and they're listening to their children. But above all, they're listening for that trumpet. Now according to the law of God, only the priest could blow the trumpets 
Ah, you didn't know that, huh? You see, just in case war broke out, this officer stood by this man. He was so one with what this man was preaching, Nehemiah. He became the voice. All Nehemiah had to do was speak, and he would blow. Remember Paul saying, unless the trumpet give a certain sound, who shall know to prepare himself for battle? Why? Because a trumpet was used for several things. It was used to gather the people, but it was used for several other things. But the sound of war was an altogether different sound. Oh, my. So God said in the book of Deuteronomy that only the Levites shall be called to blow the trumpets. <laughs> in other words, preachers. Brother Donnie, you preaching this for job security? I don't need job security. I've got a call. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm preaching it because it's God's way. Notice verse 19. I said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, the work is great and large and we are separated upon the wall one far from another. Isn't this amazing that Nehemiah didn't believe one man could do this. I find it so overwhelming a question extra 64. Whenever some dear person asked Brother Branham if he was the only one that should preach. And I find it so amazing that people said they believe every word that he said, which I know they don't anyway, but they say they do. And yet he goes on to say, answer that question in such a beautiful way, it couldn't have been answered any better. For God to lay all that on me, mercy, brother, sister, ever, who told you that? That I was the only one called. My, we need every man that's called of God to get out there and preach. Amen. Wow, I'd like to hear that quoted sometime. Amen. I mean, am I recognized? Look, this work is so big. Look, friends, we know it already, but I want to remind you, this work is way too big for Donnie Reagan and Happy Valley. It's way too big for Tim Pruitt and Evening Light. It's too big for Ron Spencer and Full Gospel Church in Virginia. It's too big, oh my, for Brother Sean Martin. It's too big for Brother Wendell. It's too big for Brother Ron Peterson in Phoenix. It's too big for one preacher or a dozen or even a hundred. It's so big, so big that it covers where they ain't got no electricity. Oh no. How are they gonna stream us? Poor things. Believe it or not, there'll be people in the rapture that never heard the name Donald Lee Reagan Jr. They never heard the name uttered of Timothy Pruitt or Wayne Lawson or Andrew Glover, but they heard the name of Jesus. As a matter of fact, I've got a request right now on my email of brothers that live so far back into the bush 
No roads. But they're begging for bicycles so that the preachers can go out to the little huts and the little villages and make it three or four times faster than walking on their feet. Because currently, they walk. Why? This work is bigger than us. It's bigger than air-conditioned churches. It's bigger than churches with fine carpet and a nice altar rail and a nice wireless microphone. It's so big, it goes into the deepest, darkest jungles of Africa. It goes into India. It goes around the world. And we need them like they need us. Many of them could never buy a bicycle for $150 a piece. Never! But it just so happens on our part of the wall, we'll provide the bikes if they'll provide the legs. <laughs> Hallelujah! You know what it's gonna be? Blessed is gonna be them feet that pedals into town. Yes, Hallelujah. How beautiful are the feet of them. Glory to God. And some of them could never buy a bicycle like that, but it just so happens some of us on this wall can and we will. Hallelujah. We need them, but they need us. Let me close with this in verse 20. Notice Nehemiah tells them, the work is vast and it's all spread out. In what place therefore you hear the sound of the trumpet. Resort ye thither unto us. I love this. And our God shall fight for us. Isn't it amazing? He's going to call them, but God's going to do the fighting. Well, you say, what's he going to do? Give them strength to cut off heads. Cut off ears, noses, legs, whatever get in the way. They're just going to fillet them like a you know, fillet mignon or whatever more. They just do it. But it's not going to be them doing the fighting. Don't you see what he's trying to do? He's trying to help them see. Don't get focused on yourself. But I feel so weak. I feel so down. Well, we're in a, we're in a mess if we're fighting by your strength. We're in a mess if we're fighting by mine. I ain't fighting by my strength. I ain't fighting by your strength. The Lord our God will fight for us. How do you think I can cast out devils? How can these preachers do it. We can't do it. It's not me doing it. It's the Lord our God. How can I fight against cancer? How can I fight against darkness and unbelief? I can't do it, but it's the Lord our God. How will we conquer? The Lord our God will fight for us. Notice this also in Numbers 10, and the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall blow with the trumpets, and they shall be to you for an ordinance forever throughout your generations. God called men that are called to press the trumpet to their lips. 
That's why a man that ain't called that just wants to preach. It might work if you're blowing up a birthday balloon. But if you're called of God, you take the same quotes, the same scriptures, press it to your lips. Reuben on the other side says, it's the brothers in Issachar. It's the brothers in Naphtali. Let's go. Man alive, I'm so used to this trial, I'm going to kill a few with it. <laughs> Hallelujah. I've got my sword, I've got my trial. I'm taking a bucket of mud. I think I'll just drown a few of them. Praise God, half warrior, half this. They just go there. Let's go. We've been backing by the voice of God. To what? A priest, a minister called by God that sounded the trumpet and said, Arise, saints. Notice Nehemiah 421, so we labored in the work. Half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Wow, that's some determined people. And it came to pass, chapter 6, verse 1, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, then Sanballat and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. Now you see, Nehemiah had the answer to the devil's question. Now what was this question? An Ono. But Nehemiah gave him the answer. We ain't going to, oh no, oh no, we ain't. Well, we ain't going to, oh no, oh no, we ain't. I said, we ain't going to, oh no, oh no, we ain't. Cause we are on this wall for the Lord. Way we are in construction, we ain't got time. Well, we are in construction, we ain't got time. Well, we are in construction, we ain't got time. Well, we ain't going to, oh no, oh no.
And I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. I am doing a great work. I cannot come down. so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? And they sent unto me four times. Boy, the devil don't give up, does he? But that ain't but half the story. Neither do we. They sent unto me four times after this sword, and I answered them after the same manner. We ain't going to, oh no, oh no, we ain't, we ain't going to, oh no. afraid. I ain't afraid of you, oh devil. Oh no, I ain't. Oh, why don't you come and we'll have a big convention, a big debating convention, and we'll debate with you about William Branham and his ministry. Oh no, devil, I ain't coming down. Why in the world should I take an hour or two hours or a half a day or a day or three spending with a bunch of serpent seed blind of the devil when I could spend that same time searching the Word of God and studying and listen to the tapes of the message of the hour, finding fresh food for the sheep of God? I ain't coming down. I ain't got time to debate. I ain't got time to argue with the devil. I'd rather cast him out. Oh, hallelujah. Well, the devil may have you with an affliction and he tells you you're going to die. Mm, you might as well give up, give up, because no need to even try. If you're down so low, you can't even hardly breathe. But with all your might, say, oh, no, devil. You just thought you had me. I was playing possum. Oh no, I ain't going to, oh no. I ain't going to, oh no. Hallelujah, 
compromising. Are we church? We're not compromising this word. Young people, don't go to the oh no of worldliness. Don't go to the oh no, oh no of all the things of the world. But let's stay up on the wall. Let's build a house for God. Oh, glory to God. Come on now. Meet us out here on the plain somewhere. We'll meet you in the middle. And we'll sit down like brothers. Brothers? Well, I didn't know them too much in school, but I did learn this. If it hisses like a snake... It slithers like a snake. It talks like a snake. It's probably a snake. How can I have fellowship with a snake? We ain't going to, oh no. Oh no, we ain't, Brother West, we're not going. And no, we're not allowing our young people to go to the old no worldliness. We're not going to let them go say, well, we don't really care. Yes, we do care. Let the devil try to pull them this way and that way. But as long as I'm here as a pastor of the church, I stand and say, we ain't going to old no. We ain't going to old no. We want our girls to marry Holy Ghost filled men. And we want our Holy Ghost filled men to marry Holy Ghost filled girls. I ain't got no business out there dating them worldly girls. Shame on you boys. Shame on you girls. Start dating them worldly men. Come on back. Some of you's done moved to oh no, but you need to give up your residence and oh no and come back to Jerusalem. What is Jerusalem? The house of God. Woo! Glory to God. Amen. I wish I wasn't so tired. I'd preach. Oh, glory to God. When the devil hits you, you need to tell him. Oh, no, devil, not today, not today. And if you come tomorrow, I'll say the same thing. Oh, no, devil, not today, not on my watch. Praise God, praise God. Don't you know what Goliath must have done for that Philistine army? A man standing there that tall. I read it to you the other night with all of his armor and everything, a guy that would stand there weighing over a thousand pounds and a little old shrimp there weighed 110. And Goliath said, poof, 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 poof. It would bring such courage to the Philistine. <laughs> They could brandish their swords and rattle their swords. <laughs> and here comes Israel's champion. We ain't going to, oh no. Prophet said he went out there dancing right toward him. Oh no, we ain't. Reached down there and picked up them five stones, said not only one for you, but one for your brother two, brother three, brother four, and brother five. Y'all going down. Hallelujah. He said, you uncircumcised Philistine, you meet me today with your swords and your spears, but I meet you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. He didn't say, I meet you with my great abyss and my great ballistic ability, and I've done measure the wind, and I know all this and that and the other. No. He said, Lord, here's my hand, and here's my sling, and here's my rock. Brother, you say, I can't do nothing. Can you pray? Can you call on the name of the Lord? Can you believe? Give God your sling. Give God your hand. Give God your knees. Give 
God's your voice. Hallelujah. When the weakest Christian prays, hell trembles. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God's in you. God shall fight. God shall fight for you. Brother Darrell, come pray for him. I've done warm slap out. down in West Tennessee the other night when the tornadoes hit down in that part of the country. and They caught us downstairs in the hotel and the sirens were screaming and the thunder and the lightning and the rain and people was crying. And I was walking around and I thought, I don't know what to do. I'm from up and we don't have that stuff up here where we're at. <laughs> Just walking around in the midst of all that and the screaming of the sirens. And I thought, oh Lord. And then just something inside of me spoke so real. I said, but you know the master of the wind. Amen. Hallelujah. No matter how great the wind is, if you know the master of it, friends, he will fight our battles for us. Amen. When David's men went down there to get that water, not all of them had swords. Two of them had swords. One of them had a bucket. Somebody had to carry the water back. Amen. If you got a sword, swing it. If you got a bucket, swing it. Whatever you got, swing it for the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Because we're not going down, friends. We're going up. Ain't no turning back for us. Amen. What a, what a privilege it is to be in, in the economy of God. Oh, praise the Lord. Let's just bow our heads tonight. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord. Heavenly Fathers, we just come to the close of this service this evening. Lord, our hearts has been, has been encouraged, Lord, and been strengthened, dear God, to, to stand up, Lord, against our enemy, to face the fears, Lord, that these nations are trying to put upon the people, Lord, and hold them down. Oh, God, we are so grateful that we do not fight this battle alone, Lord. God, as our brother said, dear God, you don't need our ability to figure the ballistics or the wind. You just need a surrendered hand, Lord. And oh God, help us, Lord, as your people, dear God, not to try to figure it out ourselves, Lord, but to simply trust you, dear God, that you have it all in control, Lord, and that nothing can happen to us but what you and your wisdom would allow to come into our lives, Lord, knowing that every trial, Lord, every battle, every win that we face, oh God, it only makes us stronger Christians. It only makes us better believers, dear God, because we see you fight our battles, Lord, and we know, God, that if you brought us over this hill, you'll bring us over the next hill if you brought us through this valley you'll bring us through the next valley for you said in your word I'll never leave you nor will I forsake you and Father God we believe that Lord we don't need an emotion or a sensation dear God for we got the promise of the word knowing heavens and earth will pass away yet that word will never fail then God we stand tonight dear God not based upon some x-ray or CT scan or some doctor's report but we stand upon Isaiah's report tonight who says Father that by your stripes we were healed dear God you born at Calvary for the affliction of your people, Father. And tonight we trust in that, God. We trust it over science, Lord. We trust it over our obstacle, dear God, knowing that the battle is not ours but yours, Father. And you'll bring this bride through for you said, all that my Father hath given me will come to me. And no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. God, 
other security in you tonight. And we trust in that, Lord. And we say to our enemy, Satan, you're defeated. You're nothing but a bluff. We rebuke you tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. You're a defeated foe. You have no hold over us. We are the overcomers in this hour. And we will possess the gates of our enemies. And we will prevail in this hour. For we was ordained for such a time as this. Anointed by God to meet the challenge of this hour. That the world may know that you're the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. That you've only changed your master, dear God. The same God that dwelled in the groom is now dwelling in the bride. Manifesting yourself, Lord. Fulfilling the promise of your word. Knowing, dear God, that every word will be fulfilled. And not one will fail your people. So tonight, God, we go with this courage in our heart, Father. Lord, we'll hold a sword in one hand and a trowel in another hand, Lord. Or a bucket of mud or whatever it is that you called us to do, Lord. We'll do it to the best, Father, of our ability to surrender to you that allow you to do it through us, Lord. Bless your people tonight, dear God. Those that are heavy-hearted for the loss of loved ones, may you comfort their hearts tonight. Dear Lord, those that are battling this COVID, this virus, oh, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus. May you raise them up, dear God. May you raise them above this thing, we pray, Lord. Others tonight, God, with cancer, dealings in their bodies and different things, oppressions and spirits. Oh, God, tonight, we ask you, Father, may they realize, Lord, and yield that to you that the great victory would come forth through their lives. Oh, how we thank you for it tonight, Lord, knowing that you are our God and our captain and our Lord and our friend. Oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for the greatest Christmas package we could ever receive is when you, God, wrapped yourself in flesh. Oh, and to become one of us, that you would not only be God above us, nor God with us, but God in us. How we thank you for that, Lord. We commit it now into this service, into your hands for your glory. Bless our precious brother Donnie, Lord. Renew his strength, dear God. We ask your blessings upon his family and upon his ministry. Lord, bless them brothers here tonight, my ministering brothers. May you use them in a great way as never before. Anoint them as never before, Lord. And the little bride around the world, dear God. Oh, Father, may you comfort our heart, Lord, that we may fight again tomorrow, Lord, at the rising of the sun. We commit these things into your hands, Lord, this evening for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Do you love him tonight? Oh, hallelujah. What a privilege it is to be a Christian. Amen. Sing us happy, Brother Harry. Amen. Do you love him tonight? Amen. Let's just sing a little bit as you go in the fear of the Lord tonight. Amen. And as just want to wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Amen. Amen. And may Christ not be in a manger, but may he be in your heart this year. Amen. God bless you, saints. Sure love and appreciate you. Amen. How great. Oh, yes, he is. is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God.
Sir. 